Malachi chapter 1 verse 11. For from the rising of the sun to its setting, my name will be great among the nations, and in every place incense will be offered to my name, and a pure offering. For my name will be great among the nations, says the Lord of hosts. In the last book in the Old Testament, the book of Malachi, it's a short four-chapter book where God is once again rebuking the wickedness of his chosen people. And while all the books of the prophets may sometimes seem monotonous with one theme, that is, hey, you guys are screwing up again, they provide a lot of insight into the heart of God and man. In this book, there's a statement that I believe sheds light on the purpose of the nation of Israel, and that is to make known the great name of God to the world. That's why they were created. In Exodus 19.5, God reveals his role of his chosen people, the Israelites, when he tells Moses, Now therefore, if you will indeed obey my voice and keep my covenant, you shall be my treasured possession among all peoples, for all the earth is mine, and you shall be to me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. These are the words that you shall speak to the people of Israel. And so there's a couple of things that stick out to me in this passage. And the first is the word if, if you will indeed obey my voice and keep my covenant. Now read Leviticus chapter 26, get a good idea of what God requires of Israel and what he says he will do if they obey him and if they disobey him. Because everything that he said would happen if they disobeyed him happened. So it's one of those passages you go back and you look at and you're like, oh my gosh, yeah, that was totally prophetic. And we see the fulfillment of that. God told the Israelites, I will bless you when you obey me. And if you disobey me, then I'm going to send the curse upon you. And as you read through the Old Testament, you're going to see that God was faithful to his word. When Israel obeyed, he blessed them. And when they rebelled, he sent to them a curse in a variety of ways. And it becomes obvious that towards the end of the Old Testament period, when the entire nation is in captivity, just like God said what happened in Leviticus chapter 26, their disobedience was much more prevalent than their obedience. So in the period of Malachi, when all Israel was scattered, Israel was scattered outside their land, and Leviticus 26 was painfully clear to those who sought the scriptures. Because despite their defiance towards God, he still holds his name above all, and those outside the community of Israel who had somewhat of an understanding about the Jewish scriptures marveled at what had happened to the Israelites and to their mighty nation. An example of this is in the book of Jeremiah, where the Babylonian military had just come and destroyed Jerusalem for their disobedience because God was sending them there. And one of the Babylonian military captains comes up to Jeremiah, who is about the only faithful guy in Israel at that point. And after the invasion and destruction of Jerusalem, after their mission was complete, this is what the Babylonian captain said to Jeremiah in Jeremiah chapter 40, verse 2. The captain of the guard took Jeremiah and said to him, the Lord, your God, pronounced this disaster upon this place. The Lord has brought it about and has done as he said, because you sinned against the Lord and did not obey his voice, this thing has come upon you. He knew why this happened. And this gets into the book of Daniel and Daniel having that relationship with the king of Babylon and all that. But this captain, this leader in the enemy's army rebukes Jeremiah, not because of Jeremiah's sin, when he said you have sinned, but because of the Israelites as a whole. He knew about the God of Israel, and he knew the reason for their destruction was from God. And what's remarkable to me is here you have an enemy soldier who has just completed a successful mission, and he gives no credit to his gods or his king or his army for the victory. Rather, he tells a holy man of God that the holy God of Israel has ordained the destruction. This drives home a point that we should often be aware of, that God speaks to those outside of those professing faith in him. 
There's an old song called the Battle Hymn of the Republic that I learned in school, but I think it's illegal now to sing that in school. And the first verse and chorus says, Mine eyes have seen the glory of the coming of the Lord. He is trampling out the vintage where the grapes of wrath are stored. He has loosed the fateful lightning of his terrible swift sword. His truth is marching on. And then it says, Glory, glory, hallelujah. His truth is marching on. And I thought of that song when I was thinking about this Babylonian captain. How God's truth marches on despite his people being stupid and rebelling against him. God's truth will endure through the ages. He is God and he has spoken through Malachi and others regarding his great name being proclaimed throughout the world. It happened and it will still happen. And those of us who claim to be children of God are responsible and accountable to proclaim his great name and his truth. And as the Old Testament period came to a close, a rebellious close where they were basically miserable because of their disobedience, That would bring about a period of 400 years between the Old Testament and the New Testament, which is sometimes referred to as the 400 years of silence, where Israel would undergo a whole lot of persecution and rough times, and the voice of God was not heard. Then, suddenly, those Gentiles, those who were not Jewish, from the east, called the Magi, they saw a star, a sign that the voice of God was preparing to speak. And these Gentiles, being familiar with the prophecies of the Old Testament and the one who was to be born king of the Jews, they set out from their own land toward Israel. And just as the Old Testament scriptures foretold in Isaiah 7:14, therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, a virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel or God with us. Isaiah 9:2. the people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who dwelt in the land of deep darkness, on them has light shone. And Isaiah 9, 6, For unto us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Once again, God's great name was glorified as he prepared to unveil the new covenant spoken of by several Old Testament prophets. One of them was Jeremiah, Jeremiah 31, 31. Behold, the days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and the house of Judah, not like the covenant that I made with their forefathers on the day when I took them by the hand to bring them out of the land of Egypt, my covenant that they broke, though I was their husband, declares the Lord. For this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days, declares the Lord. I will put my law within them, and I will write it on their hearts, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people." And no longer shall each one teach his neighbor and each his brother, saying, Know the Lord, for they shall all know me. From the least of them to the greatest, declares the Lord. For I will forgive their iniquity, and I will remember their sin no more. So with this new covenant came a new covenanted people. Those who would, as Psalm 2 says, kiss the son, lest he be angry and you perish in the way. For his wrath is quickly kindled. Blessed are all who take refuge in him. And as we take refuge in the Son, we become people of God. And now it's our turn to proclaim his great name and not bring shame to it. And Peter reminds us of our new role in 1 Peter 2.9. It says, But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Once you were not a people, but now you are God's people. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Beloved, I urge you as sojourners and exiles to abstain from the passions of the flesh which wage war against your soul. 
Keep your conduct among the Gentiles honorable, so that when they speak against you as evildoers, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day of visitation. Be subject to the Lord's sake for every human institution, whether it be to the emperor as supreme or governors as sent by him to punish those who do evil and to praise those who do good. For this is the will of God, that by doing good, you should put to silence the ignorance of foolish people. Live as people who are free, not using your freedom as a cover-up for evil, but living as servants of God. Honor everyone, love the brotherhood, fear God, honor the emperor. And I think it becomes pretty clear when we look at this list where we have some work to do, realizing that once we were outside the family of God, now we're in the family of God. And we're sojourners and exiles now. In other words, our home is not here. Our home is in heaven. We're just wandering through this life at this point, waiting until we get to our home. And we're supposed to be a light. So when people come up against us and say bad things about us, other people are going to be like, yeah, I know that guy. That's not true. Or, yeah, I could see how you'd think that, but he's a good person or she's a good person. And what you're saying is wrong. It's pretty cool to have unbelievers come to your aid when someone is trashing you. It's a blessing. But we have to live that kind of life where that's earned. We can't command that. They have to see that in us. And part of that is submission to authority, which some believers have a real hard time doing, whether it's to the emperor or the governors. You know, we have a lot of bad talk about governors nowadays and our president, but we're supposed to be people who honor God by honoring them. And sometimes they're doing things that are very dishonorable towards God. I get that. But that doesn't justify us when we start acting ungodly back towards them. We just look like idiots and hypocrites, and we don't want that, because he says in verse 15, this is the will of God, that by doing good you should put to silence the ignorance of foolish people, and that's what we want to do. We want to do good and glorify his name, because his name is the great name. Thank you.